You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This summer, when the sun's down, turn up the fun at Cedar Point Nights. The ultimate after-dark beach party is every night from July 29th through August 21st. Dance with throwback DJ sets, challenge your friends with beach games, or just take it easy at fire pits lining Cedar Point's legendary mile-long beach. Then enjoy the new Lake Erie Luau, a food experience like no other. For a limited time, get park admission, luau tastings, and parking for just $69.99. Only at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Podcast with your host, Larry Lease. Come join us as Cinema Gold dives into the latest Hollywood films and news. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest movie news and giving our review of Lost Season 2. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex. Visit Pondex.com and use promo code CINEMAGOLD for 10% off your order. Our first big story is Netflix purchasing Knives Out sequel rights in a two-movie deal, reportedly costing $450 million. Netflix reportedly dropped big money to acquire two sequels to run Ryan Johnson's Oscar-nominated 2019 mystery film, Knives Out. Detective Benoit Blanc's next case will therefore drop exclusively on Netflix, although there's no word yet on what the nature of those cases may be, or if any other characters will reprise their roles in the sequels. Netflix declined to say how much it was paying for the films, which Johnson will direct again, with Daniel Craig returning as Inspector Blanc. According to a Deadline article, the price approached $450 million, which would make it one of the largest acquisitions Netflix has ever made. It also lands Netflix something it has clearly sought, the kind of major film franchises that traditional studios have long depended on. Production on the second Knives Out, written by Johnson and produced by him and Ram Bergman, is set to begin this summer. Netflix outbid several other streaming services to land Knives Out, something that was even possible because the 2019 film was produced by Media Rights Cable and distributed by Lionsgate on a single picture deal. Made for $40 million, Knives Out grossed $311 million in worldwide ticket sales and landed Johnson an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay. The director ultimately lost the award to Parasite, ended up also taking home Best Picture at the 2020 Oscars. 
Deadline reports that Craig's character being the through line in the sequels almost didn't happen when Danny Boyle exited the upcoming James Bond movie. Craig was left with some downtime in his schedule that Johnson scooped up in order to make a whodunit mystery in the style of Agatha Christie. Had Craig last outing as James Bond not have been delayed, Time's Out could have been a completely different franchise. And now, on to our next big story. CSI Las Vegas Revival is coming soon. CSI Vegas has received a series order from CBS and will bring back William Peterson, Georgia Fox, and other CSI favorites back to television. CSI premiered on the network in October 2000 and remained on the air for 15 seasons, coming to an end in 2015. A massively successful series launched a collection of spin-offs for the network including CSI Miami, CSI New York, CSI Cyber. Along with Peterson and Fox, the original cast included Marge Helgenberger, George Eads, Gary Dorden, who probably won't be returning, and Paul Gilfoyle. After Peterson left the series, Lawrence Fishburne stepped in to take up the mantle as CSI's lead. Ted Danson eventually took Fishburne's place. Also, according to Deadline, CSI Vegas will pick up where CSI left off, following a team of crime scene investigators as they scrutinize physical evidence to solve murders. Joining the CSI Vegas cast is Paula Newsom, who will be playing Maxine, the new head of the Vegas Crime Lab. Fan favorite Wallace Langham will also return to CSI to reprise his role of David Hodges. Peterson and Fox will be reprising the roles of Gil Grissom and Sarah Sill. The project was originally planned for an October 2020 premiere, TV Line reported, which would have been on the original CSI series 20th anniversary. However, the series was delayed due to the COVID pandemic. Bringing CSI back with CSI Vegas is definitely a smart move. As the program that first brought the gory glory of forensic investigators to the masses has since become the most watched drama series in the entire world. Taking things back to Sin City will not only bring back on the bring on the nostalgia of the original show, but this new chapter will surely succeed in moving the story forward into new and exciting places. And now, on to our Push the Button series, Reviewing Lost. And this week, we are reviewing Lost Season 2. Attempting to build on the strength of Season 1, Lost Season 2 introduces several new characters, and a new mysterious group to keep viewers enthralled. Unfortunately, this show stumbles somewhat in its sophomore season, with some storylines seemingly going nowhere, and some characters underutilized. There definitely are some growing pains here as the showrunners work towards giving the show a focused direction. But the great character work that the first season is praised for is still present. The introduction of the tail section characters does serve a purpose early in the season as it reinforces the others as formidable villains. While the survivors on the beach have had it relatively easy, the tailies experience 48 days of hell in which their numbers... Sorry. 
in which their numbers shrink to a handful. Beyond that, Luby slides into a cute love story with Hurley, while Anna Lucia stands around and takes up space until she is shot to death by Michael. Neither contributes a substantial amount to the season or the series, besides being cannon fodder for Michael. As for Mr. Echo, he does have a couple of good flashback episodes, but it also feels like the writers are never quite sure what to do with him. At some point, he's a passive observer to events unfolding, and then later, he actively gets involved in pressing the button. Those last few episodes in which he finds himself destined to push the button almost seem if they were scrambling to give the characters something substantial to do. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Echo, but I feel as if his character was completely mismanaged from the outside. Only Bernard, who really doesn't do much himself, feels like a relevant addition from the tale section as he ties up the loose end regarding Rose's husband. Their reunion alone makes his introduction worth the effort. The best new addition to the Lost cast is the person we see the least throughout the season, Desmond David Hume. His appearance in the first couple of episodes of the season were used solely to introduce the concept of a button, but his flashback and story in the two-hour finale present an intriguing new character. He's a hopeless romantic on a quest to regain his honor and reunite with his true love. Desmond's story is leaps and bounds more exciting than the rest of the new cast. To be completely honest, Jack's story arc this season isn't that memorable as well. He continues to be the reluctant leader who is now a little more comfortable in his role. Most of his time is spent reacting to everything else that is happening on the island. Whether it be the imprisonment of Henry Gale, Sawyer stealing weapons, or the others kidnapping Walt, he's essentially fighting a battle on multiple fronts and is clearly stretched thin. Jack's biggest and most interesting battle continues to be with John Locke, whose inferiority complex puts him at odds with Jack on more than one occasion. Locke's journey this season does re doesn't really start to get interesting until the introduction of Henry Gale. For the first half of the season, we get to see Locke at his most confident. He's finally opened his hatch and discovered a bevy of new treasures inside to support his claims that the island and his connection to it are part of some much larger destiny. However, Gale's arrival brings with it seeds of doubt as John's world begins to fall apart. This culminates in the discovery of the Pearl Station and Locke's complete loss of faith in the button and the island. It's a good journey that has a great conclusion in the finale. I really enjoyed Sawyer's return to form midway through the season. Sure, it didn't make much sense for Sawyer to turn the entire camp against him in the long con, but it was one of my favorite storylines of the season. His return to a nastier and less fan-friendly Sawyer was short-lived, however, as he fairly quickly crept back into the good graces of the rest of the group. Michael's battle to get Walt back from the others had him depart midway through the season, but his return in the final few episodes of the season but thoroughly entertaining. His murder of Anna, Lucia, and Libby gave way to an interesting game of deception, as Michael is forced to convince the survivors that Henry was behind their deaths. He has absolutely disgusted himself for taking a life mixed with the continued desperation he has to reunite with his son, 
Thanks for some of the best character moments in the entire season. Harold does a fantastic job of portraying Michael's spastic range of emotions in those final few episodes. The real gem of the season and my favorite story arc is the introduction of Michael Emerson as Henry Gale. He spends most of his time confined in the Swan Station, but that doesn't stop him from being confined, from being a formidable foe for the survivors of Flight 815. With their survivors fractured and keeping secrets from each other, Henry frequently manages to turn one survivor against the other. His favorite prey is John Locke, who we already know is quite susceptible to snide comments and underhanded suggestions. Henry turns Locke inside out and uses him against Jack, causing the group of survivors to lose focus. It's brilliant to watch unfold and Emerson brings a lot of weight to the role. Where season two really struggles is building upon the first season. There's no doubt that the first season was a true dream and established Lost as a great television show. But with the cornucopia of questions it left dangling, you'd hope that at least some of them would be expanded upon. Answers aren't necessarily the issue here. The mystery itself doesn't expand much beyond the first season. Mystery. Yes, we do discover what is in the infamous hatch, and we do eventually learn what the button does. There isn't much beyond that. The mystery of the smoke creature isn't expanded upon, and we're given a slightly closer look at the others, but we don't really learn much more about them beyond what we know from the first season. Beyond the great character work and some interesting storylines, the overall <coughs> arc meanders instead of expanding into something larger. There is one notable exception, however, the introduction of the Dharma Initiative. We discover that the hatch was built by them, and as the season progresses, we discover other Dharma stations littered around the island. Their introduction is one of the strongest aspects of the season, second season, as it expands the lost universe and gives us a glimpse of the island's history. Despite its multiple flaws, it's still hard to deny that season two of Lost is an entertaining season of television, and definitely a must-watch if you're a fan of the show. It just happens to be the show's weakest point, but if this is the worst the show has to offer, then there really isn't that much to worry about. And now we're going to give you our top 10 season 2 episodes. Starting with Lockdown. This cleverly titled episode comes down to essentially one scene. When the timer in the hatch seemingly expires, and Locke sees a map under the black lights. The map itself is a visual spectacle, and its limited screen time leaves you longing to look at it more and try to make sense of it. Henry continue, continues to play mind games and push Locke's buttons with great success. He knows he's getting into his head. Can't help but wonder how this will all play out and just who the heck Henry is. Number nine, we have three minutes. Finally, we see where and what Michael has been up to since he left to find his son, and also what drove him to take the actions he did once he returned. All the constant statements of wanting to find Walt can get tiresome after a while. Can't really blame him for feeling that way. Intercutting scenes from past episodes is something that the show likes to do, and it's a cool effect as clearly we the audience can't see what is happening everywhere at all times. That being said, they were a little inconsistent with Mr. Friendly's appearance in this episode, compared to the one they were cutting away to, which was a little surprising. 
The stakes for Michael are so high. Add to the fact that it is a vital that he follows the instructions to the letter. It's no wonder he seems a little strung out all the time. Number eight, the hunting party. Michael has decided to take matters into his own hands. And we see the others. Okay, one, we've already actually met him before. Curiously named Mr. Friendly was well cast, and a few may recognize him as Swamp Thing from Con Air. He has the perf perfect rough gravelly voice for the character, so he was on fire with the one-liners and nicknames in this one. And Locke chooses an interesting time to inquire about Sawyer's real name. Hurley and Charlie share a good moment in the hatch showing how their friendship continues to grow. The standoff between Jack, Locke, and Sawyer with Friendly and the others is definitely the highlight of the episode as we finally get more insight into this group of people. Number seven is Collision. Probably the highlight of this episode is finally seeing Jin and Soon reunite. They have truly become a loving pair and a couple to root for. We also get to see Bernard and Rose finally come together. Another example of how sometimes love truly prevails. Number six, orientation. Jack and Locke's philosophies and approach to life was a slow burn in season one. Come season two, it has definitely started to escalate. The premier's title, Man of Science, Man of Faith, can refer directly to Jack and Locke. Upon watching a film, Desmond suggests orientation. Locke immediately buys it everything it says where Jack is much more the skeptic and thinks the button is nothing more than that, a button. What must be extremely hard for Jack to accept though is as he is trying to treat the button the countdown as practically as possible, it's going to be ripping him up inside. How can he discount Desmond's total belief in the button and the consequences it has if it's not pressed on time? He spent years of his life down here pressing that button. How can that just be dismissed? It is here where Jack and Locke definitely become more rivals than two people with different opinions. Number five, Adrift. What makes Drift probably one of the best? <clears throat> probably the very effective end to the episode. We're finally introduced to the others from Michael and Sawyer's perspectives as they have made it back to the island. You ever notice the Dharma logo on the shark the first time around? Yeah, I missed that one. And number four, Man of Science, Man of Fate. It's a nice touch on starting season two the same way they started season one. Close up of someone's eyes, they are just awaking. However, post season one where it was Jack's eye and not knowing where he was, this individual seemed right at home, going about his morning routine. At the audience, we aren't entirely sure where this person is until the bang, and then we realize everything we've seen has taken place in the hatch. The episode naturally picks up exactly where the previous season ended, with the threat of the others still out there. Does it seem like there are a lot more extras playing other crash survivors in this season premiere than we saw last year? Locke somehow tells Kate 
intoxicating the going down into the hatch first, which doesn't appear to end well. We aren't entirely sure what the outcome is, even by episode's end, when Jack ventures down himself in search of Lock and Kate. The way he encounters down there just doesn't seem possible. Is this real? And now, for number three and number two, live together, die alone. Everything is happening. Yep. This finale is taking up two spots on the countdown. Desmond is back. Jack and the gang are trekking across the island again. Locke and Echo are arguing about the nature of the button, and we see a big four-toed statue of a foot. Season 2 comes to a head in this finale, with many storylines being wrapped up, while others are just beginning. You get a little more insight into Desmond's character, and there's another case of six degrees of separation regarding his hatchmate. After spending the back half of Season 2 in the background, Charlie finally returns to take part in the story. And how about Michael? What does that say about how far one will go to save his son? Watching Jack, Kate, and Sawyer gagged and banged is a heck of a way to say goodbye to those characters. For summer hiatus. And now, number one. The biggest shocker episode to date, and quite possibly of the series, E4 things got a little out there. It's all about the final scene with Michael and Anna Lucia and Anna Libby. Raising Libby's character appeal with her growing relationship with Hurley was key, as the audience has become more attached to her, and therefore is even more shocked when she accidentally gets shot. I'm sorry, but how do you accidentally fire two rounds into someone's gut? That just doesn't... That's just the start of the questions. Why did Michael shoot Anna Lucia? Why did he shoot himself? The fact that everything happens within a two-minute span also makes it so effective. There's no time to catch your breath and process everything before the closing credits run, forcing you to ask, did that just happen? Well, that's all we have for today's episode. Let us know your thoughts. You can follow us on Twitter at CinemaGold2, on Instagram at the CinemaGold Podcast. Um, are you a fan of Lost? Let us know your comments on what you thought about this episode, or about the season. And be sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like the show. Let us know what you thought about the news of a CSI revival coming. Were you a fan of the original? Do you think they should revive it? Well, that's all we have for now. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching Cinema Gold Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at CinemaGold2. Become a patron on our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemagold. Send us a voice message and be featured on an upcoming episode through anchor.fm slash cinemagold. This summer, when the sun's down, turn up the fun at Cedar Point Nights. The ultimate after-dark beach party is every night from July 29th through August 21st. Dance with throwback DJ sets, challenge your friends with beach games, or just take it easy at fire pits lining Cedar Point's legendary mile-long beach. Then enjoy the new Lake Erie Luau, a food experience like no other. For a limited time, get park admission, luau tastings, and parking for just $69.99. Only at cedarpoint.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.